Hello and welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm your host, Adam Tarno, joined as always by my co-host, John McGee. John, why don't you let the audience know what we got in store today? We have you. And that, you. That's, <laughs> it's both most of us. Specifically, we have, we have you. So the topic today is communication. Yes. And so what the audience might not know is um, that's one of the ways you add a lot of value to Watermark is just helping us think through communication. And so, you know, every great baseball team that's got a great pitching staff, there's somebody uh, in the dugout that's really, really good at developing uh, pitchers. And um, so here at Watermark, A, you're one of our main communicators. You spend a lot of time thinking about this and uh, for yourself, but you've made all of us better um, by thinking about this, by helping us make tweaks, giving us frameworks. And so um, I think we're going to get a lot more content around this uh, area from you, but uh, you've got a a few ideas that uh, I'm excited for you to share. But uh, before we jump into the content, why don't you just kind of frame that up for us? Yeah. So we're like 50 some odd episodes into the church leadership podcast, and we haven't talked about one-to-many communication or teaching or preaching or any of that kind of stuff. We've talked about leading meetings. We've talked about resolving conflict and things like that. But this is one of those topics we haven't talked about yet. And so I think to frame it up is you and I like to talk about this communication is a vital leadership skill. So it is, it is a tool be another way to think Mm -hmm. about it. It is a tool in a leader's toolbox that they have to use. If you're going to lead, you're going to have to learn how to communicate around here at Watermark. We talk about it in three ways, one-to-one, one-to-few, one-to-many. Today, we're going to focus a little bit more on the one-to-many communication because Sooner or later, again, if you're leading any size church, any size, any size organization, you're going to have to learn how to talk in front of people, in front of groups. There's going to be more than one person or one or one or two people. You cannot avoid this. And so especially in the church, you've got preaching, you've got Sunday school classes, you've got team meetings, volunteer appreciation events, vision casting nights, weddings, funerals, all this kind of stuff. Mm. So largely in our culture, we still gather people together in churches and either sit in rows or sit at tables and somebody stands up and talks. And so this is a, a vital leadership skill and something that'll be really good for us, uh, for us to talk about today. Love it. Love it. Yeah. So generally when someone, you know, communicates and they do a really good job, people will say, well, that guy really has a gift of yeah. communication. And I like the way you kind of react to that. Yeah. I, as leaders, uh, if communication is only a gift, which clearly we see that in scripture, Romans 12 talks about preaching, teaching. It is a gift. Mm-hmm. It is. There's something very supernatural sometimes when um, people stand up, they teach the word of God, how God uses that to build up his church. That's a gift. So there is a gift with it. But I also think it's it, that kind of minimizes it or discourages some people. So first of all, a communicator that works really hard to communicate clearly, if you just say it was a gift, you've just offended that person because they spent a, a bunch of time preparing. But then also, if you're sitting there and you maybe are not naturally gifted, or if you're sitting there and you're not uh, you know, communicate one to many communication is not a natural strength of yours. It's really discouraging because you can just sit there and go, well, maybe I don't have the gift. And so if communication was only a gift, this would be a really short podcast. We would just say, if you got it, congratulations, you've, you've got the gift. And if you don't, well, good luck. I'd go look for another job or something like that, or I'd try to be anything, but don't be a leader for crying out loud. But it's, so we, we just, we see this balance. Yes, you can, it, it is a spiritual gift and some people are do have uh, this gift or this strength, 
But even what Paul told Timothy in second Timothy one was, Hey, to fan the flame of this gift. So even if you have the gift, you have to work at it. And so I just like to think of it as a gift in the way God uses it, but it's a skill that every leader must learn how to develop. And so even if you're not a quote gifted communicator, because it's a skill, that means you can get better at it. So it's something that, uh, that can't be ignored. You can't just go, well, I'm not gifted. And so I can't do it. No, you, you can, you can get better at this. I love it. I love it. So uh, at the end of the podcast, you've got some resources that we're going to let the audience know about. Uh, But right now uh, we've got a list of mistakes that uh, communicators often make. And so uh, let's go just right into it. So the first mistake you have here is that people oftentimes will try to sound like someone else. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean? And I mean, like, I don't fault anybody for this. I think we've all done it, whether it be trying to lead a team meeting, like the way our boss used to lead a team meeting or trying to teach like some of our favorite teachers, because so much of communication style is one of those things in life that's caught, not taught. Mm -hmm. And so we learn so much watching other people, but what we need to remember is uh, what makes oftentimes what makes a great communicator is them being them. They're, They're being themselves. They've found their voice. And so for us as communicators, we've got to be able to find our voice and to communicate like us. And you and I were even talking before we hit record on this, that I, I don't think I've ever met a person or been in a conversation with somebody in a one-on-one conversation that isn't naturally engaging. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody knows how to tell a story. They know how to talk about their life. They have natural voice inflection. They use, uh, they use their body language the right way. It's like when you're relaxed and you're among friends and you're talking, you communicate really well and you're very engaging. You're, you're you and you don't sound like somebody else. You're just being you. And so for us as leaders, when we stand in front of a group of people, we really need to try to harness us, like what makes us us, the unique way that God designed us and be able to communicate that way. And so, um, you know, yeah, so that's just really, really difficult, I think, for a lot of people is to just understand I'm not to try to get up there and try to act like my favorite preacher, my favorite leader. I need to get up there and be me, who God made me to be. Yeah, I I can remember uh, I was at a uh, kind of a quasi denominational meeting for uh, this one organization and uh, kind of the, you know, the, the big dog, uh, the, the hero of the tribe came out and he, he did a great job. And then the rest of the day, all these younger guys that came up, they used the same like verbal uh, pauses, um, <laughs> uh, just kind of, uh, you know, in, inflections and voice and like and, and mannerisms. So the, the way he just got a very unique way of moving his hands and arms and things like that. And it was like, I'd watched the same person yes. four times at the end of that. So, uh, so these guys were younger and it, it makes sense, you know, just like you're imprinting on uh, your, your hero. But I also left going, I hope those guys grow into, uh, their own person. And, um, this guy, you know, his skills, his, uh, his way of doing it worked really, really well for him. And I, I hope that these young men, these young communicators that were, that followed him kind of find their own way. And, um, and I think they would be much more effective, uh, if they gravitated toward the things that really were kind of authentically and and uniquely them rather than try to be this guy. And that's the key, what you just said, more effective. And I think that's what, because if we listen to a communicator that really speaks to us or, or we watch a person lead a meeting that really speaks to us, we just go, well, that's success. I want to be like that. And what we sometimes just have to believe by faith as a young communicator or a new communicator is that, no, when I'm me, when I act like me, the way God made me and I communicate in my strength and my style, the way I communicate, 
I'm going to be just as effective as the other person. And so the copy or the, or the facsimile of another person is not what the world needs. So, you know, the easy one to, to talk about here is, I mean, everybody's favorite preacher, John Piper has like, God has given that man a voice that is so unique. You don't know if he's mad or if he's crying or if he's mad crying or crying and mad. You just don't know. And it just keeps you on the edge of your seat. And it, there is nothing anybody can do to replicate his voice. It, it's just a gift that God has given him. And so he can just open up and just read God's word. And you are just on the edge of your seat. And, and I don't want to minimize all the hard work he does too, because yeah. there's also a lot of hard work. But if we just go and stand up, if we're preaching or leading a Sunday school class and we try to sound like John Piper, it, everybody's going to smell that and just go, boy, be yourself. Or, like, or it's like, these guys are really emotionally unstable. Yeah. You know, you're <laughs> yes. going to cry. Is he mad? You know, What's this guy going on here? Vacation. And so, Kadersha yeah. and I, when I, Scott Kadersha, we've had him on the podcast. When I first came on staff uh, almost 10 years ago, we were both leading the pre-married ministry and merge. And we had this one night where I got up and did announcements and made a joke that felt flat or it had some communication thing that just didn't go well. And he was teaching that night and had this point that he made and it didn't go well. And we both just sat there and we're like, God, we both just kind of swung and missed. And we, we were kind of uh, Monday morning quarterbacking that situation. And what we realized is that we both had watched you, John, tell that joke and make that point you being you and it crushed. It was so good. And we were trying to be you in that situation and it didn't work. And so we both learned the lesson the hard way of just going, listen, we, we can't try to uh, replicate McGee when we're up there. We've got to, we've got to be ourselves. Well, I've got two jokes and apparently I've honed them. Uh, well, they're, they're, <laughs> they're still working. Um, so, okay. So l- let's move on. But before we do, um, so do you listen to other communicators? Because I think you're saying don't listen to mimic, but right. do you ever listen to learn? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And, I, and, you know, and let me be clear, I mimicked for a long time when I had opportunities in either leading meetings or in a preaching teaching type setting. I, I really formidable years in my spiritual growth sitting under Louis Giglio's teaching. And absolutely, if you were going to find those old tapes from Metro Bible study, <laughs> you know, oh. from the late nineties, it would be me trying to act like him. Um, so, but now, I mean, when I listen, it is, there are so many little tips and tricks that you can learn. And so I think one of the examples I told you is I think Ben Stewart does a great job when he's teaching a complex passage where you could spend an hour talking about a parable or talking about uh, a paragraph in one of Paul's epistles. What I've noticed he'll do is he'll say, there's so much to say here that, that I, I could spend an hour on this, but I, I don't have time and I'm only going to say this tonight. And then he moves on and I just sit there and go, that's brilliant. I mean, what, what he did for the audience, I sit there and I go, wow, God's word is rich. It's deep. I want to know more of it. If there's stuff that he said he could talk for an hour about that paragraph, I want to know more about that. And then it also, in this weird way, I'm like, and Ben's really smart, you know, because he said he could talk for an hour about all that. So there's little things like that that have nothing to do with style. That's just a, that's a good best practice that when you're hitting right. a passage that you could spend an hour in, just say this. There's so much I could say. I only have time to say this. So we're going to talk about one thing. So I think there's definitely when watching communicators, there's things like that you can learn. Um, but just try not to try not to be their style. You've got to find your own voice. Yeah. Um, sometimes other communicators will use a phrase that you find really, really effective and there's nothing wrong with writing that down and using that at the appropriate time or the way they transition or handle uh, thorny issues. Or like if you were in a more of a meeting setting and there was conflict, you know, watching somebody handle that really well, uh, and really wisely, that would just be good to take note of. Yeah. Uh, 
just don't be a parrot yep. and be yourself. That's so exactly really, it. really good. Okay. So, uh, the next one here, um, the mistake, uh, communicators often make is that they wing it. Yeah. What do you mean by that? I mean, I just, you're just making it up. You just put no time in preparing, whether it be getting ready for a meeting, getting ready to lead a small group, getting ready to lead your Sunday school class, getting ready for a message, maybe on the weekend. I, the way I think about preparation is this way is that it is a way to serve your team or your audience that that, that is when you are serving and is you're shutting the door, you're turning off the phone, you're turning off the television and you're saying, I'm going to put some thought into this responsibility that I have to share or bring something of value to this meeting or, or to this message. And so I think a one of the things that makes great communicators great is they're really, they have a great routine or way that they get ready and prepare. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, and I also think similar to when most people can tell when you're trying to act like somebody else, I think a lot of people can tell when they're, when you're winging it. And, uh, I know for me, I'll just go ahead and say when I'm, when I'm winging it, I, for some reason I talk louder, uh, I talk faster and then inevitably I always talk longer. And, (laughs) and I think that is, As I've studied this and watched people, I think that is a universal sign of your winging it is that you cannot land the plane on time and that messages always go longer. Meetings go longer. Sunday school classes go longer. I think that's the one thing. Everybody else has their own kind of uh, their little ticks or things that they'll do when they're winging it. But I think the universal one that I see across the board is most people, they talk for a long time. And it's interesting. My son and I were just at the UN and we got a tour of the UN, kind of the, the general um, council room. And so in the fall, every you know world leader comes in and they give them 15 minutes. And, you know, and he was kind of making some jokes about how not everybody, you know, obviously stays within that 15 minute uh, boundary. So we asked him, what's the longest anybody has yeah. gone? And he said that when Fidel Castro came, uh, he talked for almost five hours. I cannot- he, was given, he was given 15 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> he, went, he went almost five hours. And I, I don't know. And he was yeah. not in the hotel room the night before scripting out five hours of I, comments. My hunch is no. Yeah. You know, he just pressed play on everything he ever knew. Uh, that would be a fascinating uh, one to listen to. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that this is, um, this matters. This is important. Uh, we do need to uh, prepare. I, while we're being honest, um, I remember I was speaking at a, at a conference and getting a talk ready and uh, I was probably three days away from it. And so I, I said, Hey, Adam, will you come and, uh, you know, listen to my run through here? I, I, you know, it's, it's about 80, 90% done. I just need some tweaks. And, uh, so I, I, uh, I, you know, I, I, I gave it, I still remember your face. Uh, I'm done. I'm like, Hey, what'd you think? And you looked at me and you were like kind of quiet and you go, um, how, how long have you known this talk is coming? <laughs> Which is the kindest way to say, you, you're not anywhere close, big guy. Yeah. You've not prepared well. Uh, and so I think we we salvaged uh, the talk from there. I don't know that anybody's still thinking about it. Do we need but, to resolve uh, this conflict no, on air? No, it's so good. That was, no, just, okay. that was just true. I was just being uh, a bullpen coach. And yeah, you were. You were. Um, I like so, my friend Clay Scroggins, what he says in this, and, and he'll say it this way. He says something to the effect of like, Usually the most well-prepared person is the one who wins the meeting. Mm -hmm. And what he's really saying is you get a group of people together, the one who spent some time preparing for that time to be together, they're usually the one that wins the meeting. They they have the most well-thought-out idea that they're presenting to the group and everybody's like, great, I just, I was winging it. You seem to have thought through this. Let's go with your idea. And again, I think he's just just showing that as a leader, we just can't wing it all the time. We've got to spend some time preparing. And so, you know, which is really just a function of time. Now, listen, there are sometimes we're going to walk into meetings 
and we're handed a microphone or you're, you're, you're at a Sunday school, somebody gets sick. Yeah. I mean, we had this happen just a few weeks ago here uh, at Watermark, literally 45 minutes before our service started, the guy who was scheduled to communicate was sick. And we called one of our elders, David Leventhal, and he, he was ready, right? He had spent time preparing, but uh, not preparing to preach. He had spent time in the, in the passage all week. And just showed up, and sometimes you just got to wing it, right? Mm-hmm. You just got to just go, all right, Lord, I'm trusting you right here. And it was great. It was a great message. Uh, for the other 51 weeks out of the year, it's probably better <laughs> to spend some time preparing. And so you just got you just got to make some time for yep. it. So it could be redeeming the car ride in to rehearse the way you want the meeting to go, or just 15 minutes before you go to bed before that meeting, yep. or obviously if you're going to be leading a Sunday school class or a small group Bible study or preaching. You just, you just got to make time. Yeah. And that's the account. And there's something about your wiring. It's just different than mine, but you will block. I see you block time Yeah, um, just to sit down and just work. Yep. You know, it's the equivalent of like um, mowing the lawn. Like it's going to take two hours and that's just what I'm going to do. Yep. And uh, there's no, there's no shortcut there. I can't, um, you know, uh, personality my way through this. I'm going to have to sit down in my chair. So that's the way you prepare. Um, you know, I, I, um, I have a hard time sitting still for hours and hours and hours and hours, um, the way you do. Uh, but I, I, I've found if I can kind of get a good sketch of what I want to, uh, talk about like way ahead of time, then, you know, on my runs or in the car, then I can kind of fill out, yeah. um, some of the, uh, the points or the illustrations or the transitions or, or those kind of things. And I can have some, I can kind of like percolate, um, you know, uh, ideas and, uh, and come up with a much better talk than yeah. if I just sit down and, and kind of crank through the way you do. So I think some of it is just kind of know whatever, know who you are with that. Yeah. Again, kind of going back to that first one, you got to find your voice and know who you are when it comes to preparing so that you can be ready. Yeah. And so maybe, you know, when you do well, uh, ask your like reverse engineer, like, how did I get here after this talk? Or yeah. if you crash and burn, you know, what, what was it, um, that I did? Okay. Let's don't do that anymore. You know, let's do something else. Absolutely. So, really, really good. Okay. Okay. So the third mistake that, um, communicators make, um, is that they assume the audience is interested. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of my favorites is, uh, and it's such a huge mistake that I made for so many years was assuming, well, I'm the one who was asked to teach or I'm the one that was asked to lead this meeting, uh, or I'm the boss right now. And so therefore everybody's going to want to listen to me. Don't they see, I have the microphone and the person that has the microphone clearly has something really encouraging to share and helpful to share. And, uh, and it's just not true. I mean, the secret is, and I think we all know this because we all are audiences ourselves sometimes is that the secret is that most people are kind of selfish and thinking of their own life. And, uh, and I, I like, I, I kind of resonate a little bit with the way Andy Stanley would say it, that no one's on a truth journey. Everybody's on a happiness journey and we can debate, you know, what we think he means by happiness. But I think what he's basically saying there is most people wake up every day, hoping when they go to bed, they're going to be just a little bit happier than when they woke up mm-hmm. and that nobody really wakes up any day and just says, I cannot wait to, to learn five new insights from Ezekiel four, you know, or, uh, I can't wait to learn more truth. People are just generally just looking for, for something else out of life. And so there's a, there's a great principle in there when we're communicating with people is just to assume nobody's interested in what we have to say. And that little shift, I'd say over the last 10 years, that shift of just going, I'm not going to assume anybody cares, number one, who I am, and number two, what I have to say, and it's my job to make them interested. And, you know, practically trying to do that in the first five to 10 minutes of the meeting or of the message, trying to let people know how, what we're about to talk about directly relates to their life. Not every audience 
is like our audience that listens to this podcast. I mean, most people listening to this podcast have self-selected to listen to this. So they've shown us by the fact that they download it and listen to us right. that they're interested in church leadership related topics and issues. So you, by and large, you and I don't build a lot of need or try to whet the, the audience's appetite a lot because they've self-selected. But not every meeting that we're in or every message that we're about to share has an audience that is uh, as eager to learn as maybe the people that have self-selected for this, for this podcast. And so just assuming that nobody really cares what I have to say is humbling and keeps you working and just going, okay, it's my job to make sure that they are interested in this. I love it. Yeah. So you walk into a meeting, (laughs) assume nobody wants to be there. Yeah. They don't, they don't even want to be there. No, they don't. It's your job to, to tell them why they, they should be here and why it matters. And when you're a pastor, or you're a communicator, you walk out, you know, on that platform, uh, just assume that nobody cares a lick about what you're going to say. Like most men. So think about this just on Sunday mornings. Most men, when they are sitting in your church on a Sunday morning, the very first thing they're thinking when the service starts is when is this going to (laughs) end? Right? Because they're just thinking about the rest (laughs) of their life. It's not everybody. But again, it's just, if I kind of assume the worst in, in a really good way of the audience, I think that that drives me to make sure I'm, I'm letting the audience know, I, I want to give you value today. And I think yeah. God's words is of infinite value. And I think uh, it's my job to help you see how this is valuable. And I, I'm here to connect the dots. And that's how God's going to use me uh, today. And so that that attitude has been really helpful to communicate well. I love it. Yeah. So I think, Adam, I watch you. You you come out of the gate swinging in this. You try to capture the audience's attention right away. Mm-hmm. And then you think about it all along the way. Like you do things to just to pull them in. Yeah. Maybe it's humor or maybe it's story or just you'll change it up um, going, I'm assuming right now they want to stop listening to me. Yep. I'm, I'm going to grab their attention again. And so, uh, which is, is really fun to watch and a, and a great best practice. I, I think for me, one of the things, uh, one of the mistakes I'll make in this is that if, if I'm talking about a topic, especially something I've been, you know, studying for a long period of time, I I'm really excited. Yes. About it. I've read, you know, books and articles and I've prayed and I've, I've you know, I've talked to people. And so I can't, I can't wait, uh, to share this. And, and oftentimes this is the first time anybody in the audience has ever thought about it. Yeah. Yes. And uh, they are just not as interested uh, as, I, as I am. And so to your point, if I would understand that, uh, I think the second, you know, kind of corollary to that is transitions. Um, so in my mind, because I've been living with it for a really long time, I can tell you how all this hangs together and they can't, no. you know, they don't know on this journey, like where you're going and you're going to have to make that really, really yep. clear. So A, they don't know as much, B, they probably don't care as much as, as you are. And they may have tuned out, you know, uh, two minutes ago when you were talking. And so you're just going to have to make those transitions really, really clear. That's a practical thing uh, when you assume that people don't, you know, they don't want to listen. Just think yeah. about how that could transform your team meeting. So the leader that's listening right now, just assume nobody in your team meeting cares about the agenda and just go, how would that change the way you'd approach yeah. that meeting? And whatever comes to mind, do that. Uh, hey, you know, uh, team member X or A or B, this is, this is how this impacts you and your life. And uh, I think it is a great best practice and really helpful for leaders to communicate that way. Love it. Okay. So the fourth mistake is not getting the right feedback. What yeah. do you mean? Well, you know, when I was, uh, and this will relate to both uh, like leading team meetings and smaller meetings and also more of uh, one like preaching or teaching. But one of the ways that I was always told as a young communicator to get better was to record my messages and then listen to them. Mm-hmm. And I think that was like the, the advice that was given for so many years. And I look back uh, after years of listening to my own messages and I probably really didn't get that much better. 
uh, by just listening to my own messages because I always knew what my intention was. And I'd listen to the message and go, yeah, that's exactly what I meant to say. Great and job. Yeah, great job, Adam. Yeah, that was that was what we planned. And so um, it, I have gotten better as a communicator in all settings by listening to people who were sitting in the audience give me feedback. And so, you know, that whole idea of your home has an occupancy odor that you can't smell because you live in it. I think the same is true with communication. We all have a communication odor and we just can't smell it because we live with ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so I have found one of the best ways to get better is to get feedback from other people. And it's, it was way more painful than listening to my own messages. Absolutely. But so much more helpful. And John, you've been a huge help for me on that. Uh, guys like Robbie Rice, Blake Holmes, Jonathan Bacluda, Todd. I mean, all these guys. That we This is a high feedback culture. As people have heard us talk about that here on the podcast. But um, this is one of the aspects that I think it really helps us as leaders to sharpen this tool to get better at communication is giving each other feedback on it. So good. Yeah. And we watched the uh, the younger guys around here that have made kind of these quantum leaps and their ability uh, to communicate a common characteristic of all of them is they are just kind of ruthless about um, you know mining out uh, feedback and yeah. asking for it and and enduring it and <laughs> so our young adults team you know after every single message they get together a, a, a team that's much bigger than I would probably be comfortable with and everybody in the room gives the communicator the the, the the message, not so much the communicator, um, a number grade one to a hundred and tells them why. Yeah. (laughs) It's ruthless. It it is ruthless. And, and yet, uh, we have seen that environment really produce some outstanding communicators because, because they go through uh, that practice. So especially those of you that are young, you know, um, I just couldn't uh, recommend that enough. And just while we're here, a tip on giving feedback. Um, if, if someone is a kind of a one and done, uh, they don't necessarily need that feedback right in the moment. And so go. if you're listening to this and, and that's not your primary role as a communicator, you need to know that generally people are never, never more vulnerable in their entire life than right after they've given a talk. Yeah. And so that's that's the uh, time to say, you know, hey, I appreciated that or that point really resonated with me or this is what I'm going to yeah. do. That's right after they I step I loved off. it when you ended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you can come back, yeah. you know, and, uh, and make so sure good. you find some things. I, I've just wounded some people. It's like, hey, you know, before I go to lunch, let me, um, let me give you three things that you could do much better yeah. at, you know. Good and, luck at the 1115. Yeah. yeah and yeah. it's not. Well, yeah. And when there's, it's a little bit different when someone's going to be right back up uh, in a minute, you know, um, you don't want to over, I've seen this mistake. Um, I've, I've done this one, like give them 15 things to change in between the services. And they, think no one can do that, yeah. you know, but Hey, here's a, uh, as I was thinking, this is kind of one tweak. I think it would really make a big difference. Yeah. People can it, ha- that would be a whole that. nother episode to be worth doing on yeah. just giving communication feedback. I think yeah. these best practices, and we have a whole nother episode on giving and receiving feedback that people can go back and listen to. But I think with messages, it's a little bit different than just general management yeah. uh, feedback yeah. and things like yeah. that. But so. I think three things is somebody sitting there in the car driving around right now going, well, great. I'd love it if I could have people that would give me feedback or, Hey, Adam, I get feedback from all the people I don't want feedback from. You know, I don't necessarily trust their opinion. We got to remember, you got to go recruit the people to give you feedback. You've got to train them on exactly what kind of feedback you want. And then you've got to remind them that this process is not designed to fill up your ego. It is designed to help you get better and fan, fan the flame of this gift. And so chances are you have people in, in your church right now who can help you. Uh, teachers are great elementary education 
teachers are fantastic. Uh, oddly enough, attorneys are really great, especially with clarity, uh, the way they're trained to speak uh, in ways that are so clear and precise. You've got some attorneys, I bet, in your church that can help you. Are you are you clear in the way you communicate? Are you engaging? Um, other people who communicate mm-hmm. are really great mm-hmm. to help as well. So there's just, just you got to get the right feedback. Ignoring feedback from other people generally doesn't help you sharpen that tool. Yeah, it's awesome. Okay. Uh, so the last mistake uh, here is uh, people oftentimes have no plan to get better. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I just think there's a lot of leaders out there that would love to sharpen this tool and get better, and they just don't know how. And uh, so they're looking for the next book to read, which there are certainly some great books that are out there or they're looking for a podcast to listen to or something like that. They just, they want some training and they kind of, especially those that are, that are maybe at a little bit smaller church and they're the primary communicator. Mm. They feel alone with this. They feel a little bit isolated with this. And so, um, and so we've got to be able to come up with a plan to get better. There are ways to get better regardless of your context. And, and we've got a couple of ways that we'll talk about here yes. so uh, in let's a second. See. But, but one of the things we were talking about uh, even before we hit record on this was, the one thing that I think makes an excellent communicator is just this flat out rejection of the status quo. And uh, I love using baseball examples. Cole Hamels was a pitcher here for the Rangers for a few years. And I loved listening to the way that guy pursued excellence pitching. I mean, he would have a, you know, a one run five hit complete game and the post game interview would be like, I threw seven bad pitches. And he's going to drive home and I'm like, that's a great game that he just pitched. Yeah. And he's driving home thinking about there were seven pitches that could have gotten better. My circle change could have been better there. That curveball didn't, didn't break enough. And I just, I, he just, even as a guy who had won the world series, had, had all these accolades, he was still going, I can get better. And so there's so many great examples from sports, but I, I think if you see somebody who really communicates well, there is this, I'm not going to just rest. I'm going to keep getting better and I got to have a plan to get better. Yeah. And always those who do Cole Hamels or, uh, you know, you pick your favorite sports star or communicator. It looks easy then, right? Yeah. Cause he's worked so hard. So, so hard. Cole's intense, but a lot of times you'll, you know, he's kind of cutting up in the dugout and things like that and because he's put in so much work. He could enjoy uh, the game, yeah. you know, and you can enjoy the process. And so the same thing as a communicator, the harder you work, the more you can enjoy the process, the more, and it will look natural. Yeah. It will look easy. Uh, so don't ever stop getting better and honing your craft. Really, really good. Okay. So Adam, people are saying, I need something to read and yeah. something to do. I need somewhere to go where I can learn how to improve this. What, what should they do? Well, we've got something, John. <laughs> no, we, we really, I mean, part of our heart with this is that we want, as practitioners, we want to be able to help other church leaders. And so we've come up with a few things that I hope will be helpful that we want to make available uh, available for folks. And so the first one is this email kind of drip campaign that we've created called Seven Days to Better Communication. So if you've liked some of the things that we've talked about on this episode, we'd love for you to sign up for this, this emailer. And as we talk about just different best practices with one-to-many communication over seven days. So that's something that interests you. You can go to watermarkresources.com slash seven days. That's the number seven and then D-A-Y-S. And uh, there'll be a real easy way for you to sign up for that. And that's one way to get better is just to read some best practices on how to get better as a communicator. And then for people that want to maybe even take a little bit deeper dive, we're going to host a another conference here in November, a mini conference mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. Uh, a communication workshop for folks that are that maybe have
have one-to-many communication as a regular part of their leadership job, and we're going to host that on November 5th and 6th here. And you can find out more information at the same spot, watermarkresources.com slash seven days. So just two ways we want to be able to help yeah. uh, other communicators or leaders get better at this at this skill. Well, that's good. Well, I remember looking at the feedback after um, CLC this year, and you had done something similar. And I, one of the comments that just stuck out is it, it was a guy that he had studied uh, communication, I think, and preaching. Yeah, uh, he had, you know, uh, as a, at, a, at the master's uh, level, and he said that was the most helpful, um, you know, class he'd ever sat through. So way to go! It was encouraging. Uh, that yeah. was uh, that was really um, really encouraging. So tell you what, what if we um, end where we started? Yeah, uh, and some of that distinction between, uh, you know, leadership and communication. And where does one start? Where does one stop? How should we be thinking about that? One of the things I've loved, many things that I love about this church and Todd and the elders and the way they lead is that, uh, you know, they, they, we want to be leaders who preach and teach leaders first who communicate, not the other way around. And I think we've even talked about this in the celebrity pastors episode that, a lot of churches, what they'll do is if a guy can preach and teach, if he can woo and wow an audience, then we just give him all kinds of leadership responsibility too, assuming because he can wow an audience and he must be able to lead well. Mm-hmm. And what we've seen is that is not always the case. Oftentimes those two blend together, but not always. And so if you're out there right now and you're listening and you're somebody who is fantastic, you can keep an audience engaged regardless of the audience size, but maybe you're not a great leader. That's okay. You know, use, use the skills and the gifts that God's given you, but you probably need to staff that. So if you're a senior pastor right now who is primarily a communicator and you feel like there's not a lot of leadership gifts or you're lacking on some of the other management leadership gifts, Find somebody who can fill that void so you can do what you're great at and they can do what they're uh, great at. Or or the other way around, if you're a senior pastor and you know you're better at leading than you are maybe at the one-to-many communication or the preaching and teaching, get somebody else to share the load with that so that you can do what you're, what you're great at uh, as well. And so it's just, it's a, it's a skill that can't be ignored. All leaders have to be able to do it. And, uh, and these are hopefully some ways to, to be able to get better at it. I love it. I love it. And the last thing I would just say is just, just realize this is a journey Yeah. and, uh, you're going to have, you know, some, some, some Sundays or whatever you communicate that go great. You're going to have some times that go horribly. There's some, you know, sometimes you're just looking for the back door and, uh, (laughs) you know, I don't think I've ever done this, but I might, now that I say this, you (laughs) fake a phone call and just kind of (laughs) walk right, you know, right out the back door and, uh, hop in your car. Like, I hope no one sees me. And there's, there's going to be some times, you know, you, you ask your wife, Hey, let's walk this way. Kind of where all the people are. And, uh, and, and you know, you did a good job and you're going to get out of boys. And, um, so don't let it go to your head. Uh, if it goes right. well, keep working, keep working, keep getting feedback, keep honing your craft, do it, you know, to the glory of God, because he's given you a gift, fan it into flame. And then when you crash and burn, it just know that everyone does yep. and, um, learn from it. Um, you know, let God use it to continue to make you humble and, and hungry. it's not our source of identity. We need the gospel professionally. Uh, it not, not just do we need it personally. And so, yes, as a communicator, that vulnerability that you talked about, we all feel that whether you lead a bad meeting or a bad Bible study or whatever, we just need to remember that's not who we are and, uh, the basis of God's love for us. And so, uh, so that's good. Well, if you have any questions or comments on today's episode or topics you would like for us to consider for future episodes, please feel free to contact us via email. We can be reached at clp at watermark.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time.